0: Upwork has the world's largest network of independent professionals. So if you need a UI designer, Hey guys, it's Kevin. a full stack developer, This is Madeline. or a whole team of designers and developers working together. Hey, you've got the full team here. Uh, myself, Rachel, Adam, and Stephanie. Heyo. Hey, everyone. Hey, how's it going? Hi. Upwork has agencies too, available for six weeks or six months. When you need in-demand talent on demand, Upwork is how... The FT. Not long ago, I sat in on a meeting of senior people at a large, well known company. There were 12 around the table two Brits, an American, a South African, two Germans, a Frenchman, an Italian, an Argentine, and three further people whose accents I couldn't quite place. All were successful and all presumably bright, or else they wouldn't have survived in a company that doesn't employ slouches. All spoke goodish English and were debating a subject vital to their business. Yet this was the most dreary, pedestrian and jargon-bound business discussion I think I've ever witnessed. There were various reasons it was so dire. For a start, they were discussing talent, a subject on which it's easy to talk out a tosh. And the presence of a journalist notebook on lap wasn't exactly an invitation to let their hair down. Yet I suspect the main problem was something more worrying. The group was simply too diverse. Diversity is supposed to be a great thing. The company does business all over the world, and so it's quite right that the top team reflects that. A third of the group was female, which is pleasingly more than the feeble norm, while even the age range, the youngest person looked barely thirty and the oldest at least sixty, was wider than usual. On the face of it, this sounds like the perfect, modern, global executive team. Yet the meeting showed something else. Difference can slow things down. It can make everything bland. Instead of leading to smarter decisions, it can lead to no decisions at all. The Twelve had only one thing in common. They worked for the same organisation and so clung like limpets to their narrow, corporate way of talking. Instead of their differences making the discussion more interesting, they reduced it to the lowest common denominator of tedious corporate globish. A few years ago, a psychological science journal published research that concluded that there was nothing great about diverse teams per se. They were good if you wanted to do something creative or innovative, but if you wanted to slog on with business as usual, then homogenous teams did the job better. I wonder if this is quite right. My experience suggests it may be the other way round. If you want your team to do something fairly routine, having a lot of diverse people's fine, as what they need to do is well-defined. But if you want them to do something creative, it's surely much better to have people who communicate well enough so that no effort is lost trying to work out whether when the Englishman says, that's interesting, what he really means is, that's boring. When I joined the Financial Times in the mid-1980s, it was one of the least diverse organisations imaginable. Almost everyone senior was male and white, and was not only from Oxbridge, but from the same Oxford College, Balliol. From such narrowness, groupthink was bound to follow. Only it didn't. My colleagues had incendiary disagreements on the grand issues of the day – They might have come from the same educational tribe, but they were also originals who were devoted to seeing things their own way. Because of what they shared, no time was lost explaining the basics. Their arguments went back and forth, fast and furious. Since then, the world has moved on and the paper has moved with it, but only up to a point. The FT employs far more non-Brits, more women, and some of our best journalists have never even heard of Balliol. This is a good thing, it's fairer, and it's nicer socially. However, I suspect we are still rather less diverse than our readers, which, far from being a problem, strikes me as an advantage. Arguments still fizz, because there's enough shared ground for them to do so. I'm not saying that diversity doesn't matter. I've spent seven years on a company board and know it's vital for all sorts of other reasons. But if what one really wants is to improve the quality of decisions and to avoid groupthink, the best way of doing that is not to go out shopping for people of assorted nationalities and genders. Too much diversity means that agreeing becomes a lot easier than disagreeing. Instead, to get better decisions, what's needed is diversity of a different sort. Every creative team or corporate board should set out to have a mix of optimists and pessimists, some people who see the advantages of every new scheme and others who see the disadvantages. But the two sides need to have just enough in common to be able to thrash out the differences between them. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.